You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Today is Palm Sunday. Just in case you hadn't noticed, I'm sure you have, but today is Palm Sunday. But before I get into my sermon, I just want to give you a bit of context. So imagine a whole nation that's been under the power of a domineering foreign government for about 100 years. There's constant tension around differing views about um, religion, about their religious views and beliefs, about the taxation, and basically about the fact that they don't want the government there. They don't want to be ruled by a foreign government. And the people are looking for a way to overthrow the government, to gain back their freedom and their peace, basically. They're looking for someone to help them achieve that. They're looking for someone to help them fix their problems with this government. Basically, they're looking for a political and a social saviour. And that's the backdrop of what's happening today on Palm Sunday. All of that is going on in the background. We know the story of Palm Sunday. If, like me, you've been at church for the last 50 years of your life, that's 50 lots of Palm Sundays that I've, I've done. I know the story, as I'm sure you do, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Lots of palm waving, lots of cloak throwing. I remember I've got very fond memories as a child of being in Sunday school and reenacting Palm Sunday, making palm crosses like the one I've got there on the front today. In fact, I reenacted Palm Sunday quite recently with a bunch of year one children who were aged six and seven, and I had the, the most impressive, cool Jesus ever. He really took his role very, very seriously. And the children were celebrating and whooping and shouting. And it was great because it is about celebration. Palm Sunday is about celebration. It's a lovely image. But I would like us to look from a slightly different perspective this week. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 21. In my, I'm reading from the NIV and it's called Jesus Comes to Jerusalem as King, Matthew 21, starting at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, Say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. 
So it was Passover season, a big Jewish festival. (coughs) Jerusalem was full of people celebrating this festival. Normally, from what I could gather in my research, Jerusalem had around about 50,000 people in it. And scholars argue slightly about how many might have been here for Passover, but up to two and a half million people may have swelled in, in Jerusalem. So there were a lot of people around. There would have been a heavy Roman presence. They were the oppressive government that we talked about. To ensure that the peace was maintained, the Romans did not want the Jews getting out of control at this, at this festival. And that would just have been a reminder to the Jews of the oppression that they lived under. But there would have been a sense of anticipation. Maybe this was the year the Messiah was going to make an appearance. So, in our story, Jesus starts his story there in a place called Bethphage, which is only about a mile outside of Jerusalem. And up until now, Jesus has walked everywhere. There is no place in the Gospels that talks about him doing anything other than walking or going in a boat. He's a mile outside of Jerusalem. That would have taken 20 minutes maximum on foot. But for this journey, he sent his disciples to fetch a donkey to ride on. He did something different from usual. The start of this journey marked an adjustment of the norm, a change from what was normally going on in his ministry. So already there would have been a sense that something was going to be different about this journey. Why did he choose a donkey? I mean, Jesus is a king. He's the king of kings. Why not come on a massive stallion? Why not ride in a chariot? That's what the Romans would have done. They would have made a great big entrance, something very grand. He could have arrived in power to signal his authority, arriving in style. But he didn't. He chose the donkey to do that. I mean, think about any royal weddings or something like that that you might have seen on TV. I remember the the wedding of Charles and Diana when I was a child. Lots of pageantry, lots of horses, lots of carriage, lots of very, very smart uniforms. Imagine if the royals had turned up on donkeys. All those people waiting, lining the streets of London, and along comes, you know, Prince Charles or Lady Diana, whatever, on a donkey. Doesn't have quite the same effect, does it? But that's what Jesus chose to arrive on, on a donkey. Well, why did he do that? Well, he was fulfilling a prophecy from 500 years before this event took place. And that's what it tells us in, uh, back in Matthew. It says about the, the, uh, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, that's Jerusalem, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The donkey showed that Jesus was humble and that he was coming actually in peace and that he was going to be a different kind of king. A big clue there, but most people seem to miss it. Up until this moment, Jesus had had a relatively quiet ministry And he had deliberately not tried to attract attention to himself, although that is what happened quite a lot of the time. 
But the Gospels tell us that quite often after he'd healed people or if he'd helped them in some way, that he would actually say to them, don't tell anybody. He kind of went out of his way not to attract attention to them. But now he's making a deliberate statement that says, look at me. And he's declaring himself to be the Messiah by fulfilling the prophecy. He is saying to people, I am the Messiah that you have been waiting for. The Jews would have have known that because they would have understood that prophecy. They would have understood the symbolism of someone arriving on a donkey into Jerusalem. And those who had travelled with him, his disciples, would also have understood that. And there would have been a massive sense of anticipation and excitement. This is the moment. This is going to be the year that the that um, Jesus comes, the Messiah comes for the Passover. This is it. I wonder if any of you have ever had a this is it moment where you just knew that from that point on, something, everything was going to be different. I had a moment like that. August the 27th, 2017. Some of you were there with me. And I was at one event, and I was sitting in a meeting, and uh, Sophia Barrett was preaching a message. And I'll be really honest with you, I don't remember the fine details of that message too much. What I do know is up until that point, I was having quite a challenging time with my faith. And I was really wrestling with what my faith actually meant to me. I was struggling because I didn't feel I had a very good relationship with Jesus. In fact, I felt like I didn't have a relationship with Jesus at all. But I was seeking him, seeking him, seeking him. But I just felt that there was some kind of blockage there. And as I sat listening to this message, as I said, I don't really remember the details. But it was about the storm where Jesus walks on the water. He goes to the disciples in the storm And it was about the moment that Peter says to Jesus, if it's really you, Lord, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And what what I remember listening to that message is it felt like Jesus was telling it to me. I could have been the only one in that tent where there were thousands of people. And Jesus was saying to me, come. And I felt a massive shift. It was a significant moment in my life. And I felt the need to respond. I felt the need to stand up at the end of that message and to acknowledge that this was a moment of change. The thing is, I could have let that moment pass me by. I could have not stood up at the end. No one else would have known. They didn't know what was going on in my heart. I could have been less brave than I was and stayed in my seat. But somehow I knew that this was going to change things. And it did. Here I am, four years later, leading a church. On Palm Sunday, Jesus was on the verge of a significant moment. He knew what was coming next. And he could have backed down. He could have not gone through with it. No one else really knew what was going to happen. He tried to explain it to the disciples, but they hadn't really got it. So he could have just gone, do you know what? I'm going to stay in my seat. 
No one will ever know. I'm going to let this moment pass me by. But he didn't. He stepped out into that moment with courage and with confidence. He was setting the stage for this grand entrance. And you know what? He knew that by riding into Jerusalem on that donkey, it would antagonise people, that it would stir up anger, it would stir up jealousy. But he was setting the stage for more significant moments to come, the crucifixion and the resurrection. The crowd, (coughs) excited as they were, they would have expected him to take on the authorities, to arrive like some kind of Marvel superhero with a flowing cape, and win the day. That's what they were expecting. That's what they were hoping. They'd been travelling with him. They'd spent three years seeing his miracles, hearing his teaching. They knew that he was radical. And they were looking for him to use those radical powers that they saw in him to fix their problems and to overthrow the Romans. And as the story continues, that large crowd are spreading their cloaks and branches on the road. Like a red carpet, that's what we'd put out these days if there was someone important. They were laying out a biblical times red carpet for Jesus because they knew that he was special. They were shouting Hosanna, which means save us, save us now. They were obviously expecting big things from Jesus. But what they'd failed to understand is this, that Jesus had not come to fix their external problems with the Romans or with anything else. He'd come to fix the internal problems. Problems he wanted to fix like character, like behaviour, like attitude. (coughs) That's what he'd come to fix. And those people that were shouting Hosanna on the Sunday, they were so fickle. They wanted results right now. And they didn't get the results that they were expecting or that they were hoping for. And a few days later, by the Friday, their shouts of Hosanna had changed to crucify him. Jesus didn't live up to their expectations in those moments. They lost their faith in him. They felt let down by him. But they didn't understand his purpose for them. He didn't give them what they wanted, those people. But he did give them what they needed. And he gave them more than they could ever have imagined or hoped for. In John 3.16, a very famous verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So that crowd didn't get what they expected straight away. But Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice so that they and we can have eternal life, that we can know that our sins are forgiven, 
that we can live transformed and abundant lives in him. And yes, he may not have delivered that in five days, but he delivers that now for us every single day, if that's what we want. I don't know about you, but that is what I want every day. So what can we take from this story of Palm Sunday and the things that happened on that day? Well, here are some maybes for you. Maybe God is asking you to do something different for this part of your journey. Maybe he wants you to get on a donkey instead of walking, figuratively speaking. Nigel talked a few weeks ago about seasons and how seasons come and go and there's a time for different chapters in our lives. Maybe this is the time to do or to try something new. Or maybe it's time to put something down, to do something different. Maybe to do something different with your job or a hobby or a relationship or some other commitment that you have. To pick something up that's different or As I said, to put something down, it might be a very small change. It might be a big change. But maybe God is asking you to do something different for this part of the journey. Or maybe you feel you're on the verge of one of those significant moments that I described. But you lack the courage to step into it because you're worried about what that would mean, what that would look like for you. Or maybe you feel you've missed a significant moment in your life and you have regrets about that. The great news is that Jesus always has a way of putting us back onto the path where we need to be, regardless of whether we've missed the moment or not. Or maybe you're longing for one of those moments in your life to shake things up a bit and to bring new purpose into what you're doing. Or maybe, like those crowds, you feel disappointed with Jesus, that he hasn't somehow lived up to your expectations, that you wanted him to do more than you can see he's doing. We're going to have a time of prayer now. And if any of those maybes have resonated with you, then I would encourage you during this time of prayer to talk to God about it, to ask God about it, to listen to God, to see what he wants to say about those areas of your life. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you to figure it out, to give you courage if that's what's necessary to pick things up, to put things down, to step into something new. So I'm going to ask us to stand. And I find that when I'm talking to God or the Holy Spirit, I like to put my hands out in front of me. That just helps. But you just get however's comfortable for you. And we're going to just ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. And if, as I said, if any of those maybes have resonated with you, spend this time talking to God about it. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here with us today. And I simply ask that you will come and minister to us. That you will speak to us, Holy Spirit, 
that you will answer our questions and that you would give us all that we need for this part of our journey with you. Come Holy Spirit. I thank you, Jesus, that wherever we are on our journey with you, you are with us every single step of the way. And even sometimes when it's not obvious that you're there, it's not obvious that you're doing anything, we can be absolutely certain that you are, that you are doing things, that you are working behind the scenes that you are working to fix our problems, to fix ourselves. And we thank you, Father, that you forgive our sins, that you died for us, that we might have eternal life. Amen.